Welcome to World Building Live. World Building Live is a bi-weekly meetup of the Mastermind Adventures Professional Dungeon Masters, led by Ali Salentic, Master of Lore, Game Designer, and Head Writer. Each series, the team works together to create a full world that can be used as a homebrew setting for any campaign. They invite the audience to join them in that endeavor. Join us live on Monday nights on the Mastermind Adventures Discord server to participate in any of these sessions. The link can be found in the description. Um, now that it's like 5 of 5, I'm going to do my intro. Um, okay, so hello everyone. Um, uh, my name is Ali Slentic. I am the Master of Lore here at Mastermind Adventures, uh, and this is World Building Live. Um, we, Mastermind Adventures Woo! is... Um, a company of professional GMs and uh, uh, creatives. Um, we do a lot of uh, different things, but our big thing is that you can hire us to run games for you, and we guarantee that they're going to be super fun. Um, let's go around and introduce everyone. So let's start uh, with Arthur. He's first on my, my screen. Um, hey, can everyone hear me? Yes. Cool. I'm currently on a bus going home, so I may be a bit quiet for the start. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of background noise. But yeah, uh, uh, my name is Arthur. I'm a professional GM in Mastermind Adventures, and uh, gods are one of the things I find most interesting. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, John, why don't you go next? Yeah, um, I'm John also a pro GM for uh, Mastermind. Uh, I think the Pantheon of Gods tells you a lot about the world and the people in it because uh, gods and the people in the world have like a symbiotic relationship most of the time. And like they, they like the gods make the people and the people make the gods. And it's, it says a whole lot about your world whenever you're, you're making it. Totally agree. Um, okay. So who's next? How about Stacy? Why don't you go next? Oh, if you're talking, we can't hear you. Nope. Nope. We got nothing. Right. Let's uh, let's. Well, hold on. Tom, yeah. why don't you why don't you take over for the moment? Well, actually, we can hear Stacy now. So. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, Stacy, go on. Yeah. I am also a spoken word artist, podcaster, writer, um, and just overall creative. So I absolutely love world building in general. Um, and gods and pantheons for me are not really my stick. I'm more so into like creatures and, and weird entities. So I'm actually kind of more so into the learning and trying to get some tips. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Tom, you're next. All right. Uh, my name is Tom. Uh, I am the resident werewolf of uh, Mastermind Adventures. Uh, sadly, I am not a GM for hire. Uh, at least not right now. Um, I well, do have a GM, just not a GM for hire. Yeah, exactly. I I do have uh, many years of GMing experience, uh, and in fact, I have the the very very great honor of running the game that Ali plays in on Sunday. So mm -hmm. uh, there is that. Uh, aside from that, um, as far as pantheons and gods, I I love uh, the weirdness that you can get in uh, pantheons and 
and gods and how uh, they're reflections in uh, very real ways of the cultures that create them. Uh, but even then, like, they're also the reflections of both, like, the fears and aspirations of those cultures and how that kind of, like, plays into a lot of, um, like, morality plays and, and that kind of that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I love coming up with weird gods that uh, are, are very, like, esoteric and specific for very specific places. So. Okay, awesome. Um, and I guess I will, I'll, I guess, follow up. I kind of did a mini introduction, but um, I'm Allie. I'm Master of Lore from Master of Adventures. Um, and uh, I am a, I am a GM for hire, but as uh, some people like to say, I'm kind of on the secret menu. Uh, you have to request me in particular. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I love, I, I mean, the gods are usually my favorite thing um, about pretty much everything. Um, and I uh, just, I, I love creating like weird, strange gods of weird, strange things. Um, and I particularly like doing unexpected things, um, you know, just doing all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so yeah. Uh, this week we are talking about as we all talked about gods and probably maybe a little bit some landmarks that might be important to them or just some like culture stuff about that um so who wants to go first i got it's you not gonna be me. Okay. yeah okay so i continued my dwarf theme from uh our last session i was i was in charge of dwarf culture and stuff last time and i kind of went forward with their pantheon a bit okay. so i've got two gods for dwarves okay so their their background is that they've been chased out of their ancestral homes mostly and now they have like maybe three places on in the world that's actually full of dwarves and safe for them to return to like to return home mm -hmm. so they're a big uh there's there's like uh they're they're big on being in with family like you're either you're in with the dwarves or you're you're out okay so they've got it's like a big duality thing. So there's two gods. There's there's Thrawn, which is he's the god of mountains, metals, and industry, but also holds domain over the the home and the family. So in culture, he's depicted as like a a dwarf with an exceptional beard, holding a hammer and an axe in either hand. Uh, it's like it has like duty, duty, industriousness, and resolve. And the axe symbolizes like what uh, like his ability to defend what the dwarves had built. And they've got uh, shrines for Thrawn everywhere you, you uh, see dwarves. It's like uh, they, they offer to little tokens to these Thrawn shrines uh, as a sort of prayer to like, hey, let, let me survive out here so I can make it home to my, and, uh, to my ancestors and, and my, my family, you know? And on the other side of the coin, I've got Thrain, uh, god of the deep places of the world, discovery, magic, and death. So, like, he's a big, he's big on the unknown. He's not a compassionate god, but he respects the the capable and the crafty. Thrain represents the dangers inherent in the world. He represents the uh, the unknown. So, he at once like implores dwarves to explore the great terrifying unknown, but also waits patiently to take the souls of those that die in the attempt. Uh, dwarves blessed with magic are said to be touched by Thrain, and they live their lives somewhat apart from the rest of dwarven society. He's not, 
he's not the most uh, trusted of gods, but they know that he is a big part of them. I love that. I love, I mean, I think dwarves are one of the least used, like, uh, cultures, I guess, or species or races in D&D because they're always so stereotyped to be, like, the, like, stout, Scottish-speaking, big drinkers, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're, um, they're a shortcut for, like... Uh, Harry guys going to microbrewery and getting rowdy, you know, they're like, yes. we all love them, but they're, they're always the same in every setting. I kind of wanted them to, I kind of wanted to make them sort of a refugee culture. Like they've been chased out of everywhere they've, they've been so far by this, by this calamity. So they needed to have a strong sense of home and a desire to go back and see everyone they knew. So I had Thrawn, which was the, the God of home and hearth. And then, Thrain, the god of the unknown, the, sitting there waiting for them to come out so he can uh, he can either end them or re reward them greatly for their bravery, you know? Ooh. I love that. Okay. Um, any any comments from anyone else? Not just me talking? Uh, well, I'm curious as to um, for Thrawn, uh, since like in D&D kind of uh, splat gods often like favored color and favored animal, what, what are Thrawn and Thrawn Sorry, you cut out there. Yeah, you cut oh, out. sorry. Uh, what are Thrawn and Thrain's favorite animals? Animals. Uh, well, I hadn't actually given it that much thought. I'd love to have some uh, some people chime in on this one. So cats. Oh. Giant, fat house cat. And I don't mean like, and when I say house cat, I'm not thinking of a traditional house cat. I'm thinking of like a magical Cheshire cat that has specifically been bred and attaches itself to, like, dwarven families. And there's, like, one for each family, and it starts with, like, your great-great-great-grandfather, and he just, it stays with the family, and it's, like, <laughs> a family mascot, almost. Uh, not to, not to, like, go back to dwarven culture, but I think that would actually each dwarven family, like, rather than having, like, a family crest, had, like, the family cat pattern. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, ours is an orange tabby. Like, our house only breeds orange tabby. Ooh, like, I, yeah, I kind of like that. Like, yeah, yeah something like that. Well, having, yeah, like, very specific breeds. Having them tied to, like, that particular family, that particular clan, like, the deeds of the clan might just change what your cat looks like. Ooh, yeah, like a... Oh, like, like, it's supernatural. Yeah. We, we, can, we can put some magic in there. Absolutely. <laughs> This is a world okay. that's been overtaken by an enormous forest so, of many different kinds of trees. We can do magic here. Yeah, so like a family of really uh, like twisted mages, like like a, a family with an overrepresentation with like the touch of Thrain, you know, their cat is a uh, has a bit of an uncanny side to it, you know. There's there's maybe like half of it is hairless, or like it's it's got extra appendages or something. <laughs> I like no. that. Um, Ooh, that's like so that's, then, that's just really cool. So, so they're they're both cats, or is that just like uh, Thrawn and then Thrain is like some burly? Well, like you know, the dwarves. I the way I pictured it, they would worship them both in equal measure. You know, there's there's the home and there's where you belong, and then there's uh, where you go 
to uh to better yourself and to better your people you know like mm-hmm. they have to venture out to to do great things right that's where that's yeah. thrain's domain so it's not like the two are adversarial it's more like these these are the two sides of the coin that makes us prosperous or at least helps us survive um to go off of that i think uh if thrain is the home god um I feel like they would uh their favorite color would be orange. Kind of the the color of the warm hearth. Um and also orange cats. Thrawn. Yes. Thrawn. I recently found out, uh completely unrelated, but I recently found out that orange cats were bred by uh the Norsemen and then spread across the world because they liked orange cats. So anyways, uh you can see them better. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, ca- uh, it came off of a um, uh, like a note where someone's like, "Why are orange cats like so lovable yet kind of dumb? Like, they're they're always the ones that like get like they're very clumsy and they kind of get into trouble, but they're like just loving, amazing animals." And someone's like, "Well, that's because the Vikings really liked the color orange because like well, um, some of the one of the goddesses has a chariot pulled by like golden cats. I so they were like, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, ooh, golden cats. Like, let's make sure that we have a lot of those." And because they took them on ships, they basically spread all over the world. But the problem was is that the Vikings bred them to be like really calm and like friendly and nice. But that also somehow bred them to be a little bit dumb. So they're yeah, kind of it's, just... it's basically uh, Wilson syndrome, which is the same thing we bred into dogs. Yeah, so. yes. <laughs> like 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 Jorts the cat on Twitter. Yes, it, that's actually exactly where it came from. It came from that post on Reddit, the Jorts the Jorts saga. Um, oh, I love Jorts. Oh, it's great, yeah. Jorts so, and Jean. So, so for those of you at home that are like, why would cats be bred because of gods? There's your answer. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I always love to have a touchstone back in reality to, like, you know, kind of help explain things. Like, that helps me, but anyways. Um, hey, there are cultural yeah, I, reasons I like, for this, and we want things to yeah. be tied together like that, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Thrawn and Thrain, so you mentioned Thrawn has a... a battle axe right or is it just a just an axe yeah hammer and axe one for building one for one for slaying you know <laughs> I, I was going to to push back on that just a tiny weapon. um for instead of it being like a hammer or an axe Hello? maybe you can move oh, a little, little, little off to the to the left field and go with like a giant uh cooking ladle a battle ladle so because the hearth and the home is so important. Maybe it's not you build, but it's because family is the is the main point, right? So you feed your family, you take care of your people. It doesn't matter where you are, it matters how your family's taken care of. So that was my thought process, and I would push back on the hammer just a tiny bit if we're wanting to move away from um, traditional D&D things. Yeah, I know. It's a little stereotypical. I might have been a little lazy on that part. <laughs> Well, it might not be like well, uh, the battle axe or even like the double-headed axe. It could just be like a hand axe as well, like a hatchet. Uh, like, I think yeah. I think taking away the axe is a good idea, but like a hammer and ladle seems very good. I would love to see a battle ladle personally. Um, that I mean, I'm aware it's basically a shillelagh, but you know, exactly. That's well, essentially what it is. It's a, it's a jumbo cudgel. Well, it's for scooping hearts out, like uh, in Robin Hood, you know, because it'll hurt more. Yeah. Um, 
sorry. So I, I had a random hiccup in my internet, but uh, so my other question was, uh, so with the, the hammer being Thrawn's favorite weapon, what's Thrain's favorite weapon? Uh, the way I figured it, um, Thrain is not depicted at all. Like there's, there's not, there's, there's shrines to him out there, but you never see, you I never actually see Thrain because he's like God of the unknown and, and the mysterious and oh, discovery okay. and such. But if somebody wants to push back on that and they have better imagery than like the unknown or the, the unpictured God, go for it. Well, uh, so I was actually going to say if he's a god of the deep places, like the light or heavy pick might be really cool. Oh, like a, uh, maybe like a candle or a lantern or something like that? Uh, well, I was thinking like the, well, oh, sorry, I may, I may have cut out, like the light or heavy pick, like, um, like, might be interesting, but like actually, like with a lantern would be, would also be really kind of Oh, I just understood. I just misunderstood. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. The yeah. pick, the pick is cool, maybe... The coiled rope. Uh, mm. Oh, like a whip actually would be really interesting too. Or like, a, like, like an underground. Um, I, I, here I'm thinking like you know like paladins of or uh, um, clerics of like Thrain get like whip proficiency in order to like Indiana Jones or or pitfall across <laughs> a, a like a cavern or something. But. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. I, I actually really like the idea of him being, like, unseen and not having a, like, favored uh, animal or, like, pretty much favored anything. And, like, I'm curious as to how to translate that, like, mechanically. Because, um, like, this means you could have, like, paladins or clerics kind of basically just be, like, choose a weapon proficiency or, you know, something like that. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not against iconography. I'm I uh, I just thought like never depicting him in like statue form or painting or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's always a void or maybe maybe like a pair of eyes or something, you know? Yeah, Ooh. I I like the idea of just like a pair of eyes in like a dark like passageway. Like, yeah, like, like sorry. A... So I'm I'm picturing like a like a like one of the like um stone archways and then like two like glowing eyes as like the the like the, the symbol yeah I, I like that like and uh black dye is quite prevalent in in his uh decoration style mm, yeah yeah actual black too not like the the light blue or dark blue of night just like actual like charcoal black yeah i like that Ooh, oh and ideas. uh all of his cathedrals and stuff are uh there's no light it's kept in the dark dwarves have have dark Ooh. vision so yeah, yeah. I, I was actually going to say, uh, uh, Earthsea, the Wizard of Earthsea, has an entire temple that is dedicated to like not having light in it, and like that you could do something like that, and, and that's Ooh. that's a really like evocative feeling, especially like imagine the poor human that just like walks in and is like, hey, uh, I'm here for healing, but is there any way that somebody could like you know light a match? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that could be really cool. Yeah, I love yeah, that. I was thinking like light. Uh, like they'd have, they'd have like little sort of airlocks, you know, where light is not allowed to touch the inside of the temple. Like they would have to reconsecrate it or something, you know. Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So like, like God of like darkness and unknown and like depths. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily 
evil, just, um, you know, how we, we fear the unknown, it, we fill it in with our imagination, you know? It's not bad, and there's great stuff out there. I mean, if, if we didn't think so, we wouldn't be where we are as a species today. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, like, taking things that are traditionally um, more, uh, like, like, evil god portfolios and kind of switching them around to maybe not be evil like that um, yes I think that that's less snidely whiplash more just um uncaring yeah yeah well i i feel like it's not that he's uncaring but he's like a god of like being self-sufficient like you don't you don't pray to him to like get through the the maze you you pray to him to like give you the courage or to help you with the courage to get get through it yeah he, he's he respects the the capable and the crafty you know like exactly he, he, resp yeah. he respects the clever and those are able to carry out their cleverness yeah i i could i could see using him a lot in in a, in a world like this mm. are you talking about two different dwarf gods now or building a dwarf pantheon or i was just thinking two I was just thinking a, a dual pantheon for the dwarves, because I I, oh, uh, I I continued on with my dwarf culture thing. <laughs> I I feel seen whenever I somebody talks about like short hairy people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that's dwarves. Um, Chris, welcome to the stage. Uh, did you have did you have any anything to add, or or do you have other gods that you want to talk about? Oh, uh, by the way, before you move on, Arthur has his hand raised. There we go. No, I know. I saw. Okay. Okay. I was yeah, I was having trouble with my phone, but then I got home. So now I'm yeah, on my way to computer. It's fine. Discord's kind of stupid sometimes. <laughs> sorry, Chris. Go on. Yeah, sorry. Oh, um, yeah, it took me like five, ten minutes to figure out the volume. Because <laughs> 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 I've never done this before. Oh, yeah. Um, uh... So that the thought I had is because there are a lot of trees in the world, you could maybe do something with uh, a pantheon of of gods related to uh, different types of principles tied to types of plants that kind of embody those principles, like a healing plant or a spiky oh. plant, poisonous. And you've got these gods that are like tied in with their sacred plant. And like the worship of the god is somehow tied into the plant, and you can make potions with that plant, but you can't mix that plant with the plant of another god because that's blasphemy. Huh. And then you can do something with like the the network between the trees via the fungus, and like expand the idea of like um. There's that druid spell to walk between trees. Yeah. You could somehow tie it into the, the fungus network and have, like, lesser spells that are also tied into the network and do some kind of, like, pivots oh, yeah. on, like, Avatar, but not quite, like, taken in a different direction. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the idea of walking um, between very specific trees. Like, uh, if you've ever read, or if anybody else has ever read uh, the Iron Druid Chronicles, um, there's, like one or two very specific trees that the fae can walk through. So I, I kind of like the idea of, like, a druid being able to, like, uh, transport via plants, but, like, 
sorry, like uh, I start in an elm tree, I need to finish at an elm tree. Yeah. Uh, like that kind I mean, of I, I think that's actually good for a world like this too, because there's so many plants yeah. that like druids could basically cross the earth in seconds. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily want to do that because that's not really fun well, I'd as like... a GM to deal with it or as a player, really, to just be able to have that. Well, if we're doing that, um, like, hey, let the druids have their, their whole thing that they've got going on, their whole toolkit, but make it hazardous because th these are cursed trees. This place, yes, yeah. place kind of sucks. And, uh, <laughs> and druids would need to have some sort of hazard associated with uh, trying to use this wild and untamed magic you know oh maybe like they have to be at the at like the root of the tree to travel so like they've got to be down towards the ground and the ground is incredibly dangerous because like it's basically dark all the time and the canopy's there and there's monsters down there so like it they can do it they can travel wherever but they have to like be down where the tree touches the ground in order to do it yeah give them complications i have a, I have a question um about because I, I was thinking since we have like this dwarven pantheon that's just two gods um and this might be being putting the cart before the horse a little bit but do the gods like talk to each other do they know about each other do they have kind of like like a like spot where they hang out and meet like like the greek gods do where like everyone like everyone's got their own domains but they all like hang out together and talk yeah and, yeah that was actually yeah. one of like one of my one of my questions that I like wrote down just so I wouldn't forget it is like what like how do the gods interact with this world like are they kind of just aloof and they don't really like talk to e each other or you know anyone else are they organized into like pantheons which ones dislike each other which ones are like associated with each other um, you, I think that's could, a good thing to know. You could have it might be interesting if you had druid bonuses and and uh um the opposite uh setbacks related to which which god of the plants they worship mm. he did that and then also the other thought i had related to what was just said is that what if the two dwarf gods are tied to the principle of underground and the rocks and the earth, and they're somehow in conflict with the plants that are always trying to burrow down. Mm -hmm. well, um, there could be some like tension between the dwarf gods and the, the plant gods, and that could be like one one storyline or one thing that's always going on. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I was thinking is that uh, we already have that mountain that was split in two. It might be interesting if, like, uh, one of those gods claimed one of those mountains and the other one claimed the other one as, like, mm -hmm. like devotees. But, uh, yeah, I have something yeah, about I, that in my notes already. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, here. Awesome. Um, I, I will say that, uh, I like, with how the, the world is constructed, I... Well, I mean, this is probably tipping my hand for, for one of mine coming up, but um, I feel like a lot of the gods are in conflict with with any any god, not necessarily of nature, but of like specifically plants and things like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, I think we have an opportunity with this world in particular to like really dive deep into like, like Chris was saying, individual plants and mm. like, like you know bot like almost biomes and and things like that like there's druids always get like that you know like their favorite terrain like rangers do 
um oh, that yeah. kind of like idea of like they work best in this one particular place and like we have the perfect opportunity to like drill down and be like okay you're good in like coniferous forests that's your thing and that's like that's where everything you do is related to but you're you're just not that good when you're like you know over in the mangrove swamp and you just don't yeah. know what to do with these trees because they're so different from the ones you're used to okay i have an idea which is what if the gods came together and formed a kind of united nations of gods where they like <laughs> like they they meet like every so often and talk and stuff um and they're def they definitely infight and they definitely have conflicts and it's the kind of thing where like like the united nations where it's like oh yeah we're all here together and we're great and we're fighting together but like we all fucking hate each other <laughs> um and specifically it was created when this apocalypse happened where mm -hmm. the plant gods became so powerful that this group had to be formed against all of the nature gods so there's like more than one nature gods mm -hmm. but all of them are their separate thing yeah. that all of the other gods are kind of scared of them and fighting against them yeah this is not oh, the natural yeah. state of this world so i imagine it's the gods are still figuring each other out this is like an upheaval yeah. time for them yeah and like their their thoughts are probably so in the like eon like time limit that even though it's been like centuries since this thing happened and everyone's adapted like the gods are still like i don't like the fact that like you can't see the ground anymore i was the god of like rocks and now no one can see the rocks anymore um, uh I, I i i have an idea as for where these people would or where where this this united nations of gods uh would, would be at least as like a a physical anchor in the world mm -hmm. um and that would be in the frozen north where there are no plants Hmm. That's, I mean, that's pretty good. I like that. That's really um, good, too. Yeah. I, I'm gonna, before, before we go any further, I'm going to drop the updated map of the world. Yes. So and I don't remember if this is a thing I thought up and wanted to, like, talk to people, or if this is a thing that was already established, but do i i feel like the gods kind of blame the mortals for this apocalypse like oh i, I, don't, I think absolutely oh it's 100 yeah, percent their fault i don't think we've come up with a cause of this have we actually decided what did cause it i definitely no, think in the like universe we... people don't know and like everyone has their own ideas but do you think we should come up with a actual like no one maybe necessarily knows this but like or should we just keep it open-ended uh, I think both have pluses. I think personally, if we're if we're going to come up with a reason for why this happened, we should come up with five, uh, or or just some arbitrary number, because uh, like I I would be ha like hazard against uh, defining a like something like that that is a linchpin of the world uh, to be something that is known to both player and GM. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I think that like a couple of different options are good, but I also I I also think that the we shouldn't necessarily define everything about it. Like I think there should be like theories maybe or, or other things like that that are the like you know the potential for it. Yep. What about I agree? What about something like uh, uh, the nature gods? promised humanity would thrive if they worshipped them and then like the humans prospered and then the, the other races are 
not in ascendance or some so it's out of balance that way yeah because there's some kind of compromise between the humans and the nature gods i also just like that the like the there's an evil cult of an yeah. evil cabal of an evil cabal of druids that just like like e either by accident or on purpose caused this to happen um yeah. and which is why I, I definitely like the idea of druids kind of being like outlawed a little bit yeah. in most places the kind of warlocks of this world yeah 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 like they're they're so i mean for one they're so powerful in a world like this that you've got to make sure that they don't you know just take over the world like that's something that i think a lot of there's a lot of like um i don't know if you guys are familiar with the dark sun setting but uh, druids are basically outlawed in that setting only because they could like fix the world and no one wants them to do that so this is kind of an interesting flip on that to, I, um, to everyone's a sport druid <laughs> <laughs> i i had a couple different uh ideas for this um i yeah. didn't know what we were doing with it one was just a regular magic whoopsie which is fine that's the simplest mm -hmm. answer then another one was like a particular circle of druids attempted to create their own god and elevate mm. an entity to the pantheon artificially and it kind of it kind of grew and eclipsed the old nature uh the old nature uh domain gods and it kind of strangled everything out like kudzu in the southeast yeah so, i like that also i like the idea that no one knows if it worked yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it could have, but no one knows. Yeah. And they don't want to invest. Um, I second the original sentiment about nailing this down. Um, I find it is way better to leave things that are far flung and in the past, in the past, and let people make their imaginations do the work. Um, mostly because that's not what, that's not what the, what we're going to be focusing on in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, so for for me, when I think about like why it's it's never it's never something that's solid. It's always no one knows. Everyone has their own story. If you go to the fields of fire and you ask the hobgoblins, they'll tell you something completely different than if you go to the dwarves and ask them. I feel like that is way more. Um, immersive because it makes the world feel real because stories differ from culture to culture place yeah. to place um it's kind of like the if you've ever if you guys have ever seen uh the history channel when they did the really weird stuff like dragons yeah. and the pyramids oh, and all yeah. that there's a thing that they talk about in the dragons where they say hey look this is something that people always think about and wonder if dragons were were real because no matter where you go across the planet there's always a story of a dragon-like creature it differs it has it may have two legs it may have four legs it may have five fingers it may have four fingers so on and so forth but we call them the same things dragons so in that regard i kind of push back on that a little bit and say hey maybe we should focus on how those stories are told from a cultural standpoint and less so from a okay this is the de facto truth yeah, and I think, I mean, I think there's room for, like, the, so what I'm imagining is that, like, once we wrap up this five-week kind of course, um, we'll have, like, a, 
basically a PDF that just has all of our notes in it, pictures and other things like that to just kind of have a setting. And I think that it's, it's useful to give like suggestions to GMs to be like, Hey, here's like a list of seven things that we thought might've caused like this world to happen as it did, but like make up your own if you don't like this or, you know, take it and twist it around. Um, Cause I oh. think like suggestions, at, at least for me as a GM, I always work best when I get a suggestion of something and then I can like go with that rather than just having to make it up wholesale myself. Um, Is it useful to have the real reason and then say, here's what people think the reason are and you should never have anyone know the real reason, but it's yeah, just exactly. to go from. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I will say uh, I've been doing a, a deep dive of Glorantha for the past couple of weeks uh, due, due, to, due to reasons. Um, and I I do love the idea of not having a very specific, like, nailed down reason for it, but I also do agree that sometimes you can just be like, just just tell me why or even <laughs> what this means. Yeah. Um, yeah so there, like, there is I, such a thing as, like, that. too vague and, and too yeah. many different options. But, uh, but, but that I, being said, uh, I do I do like the idea of having, like, like five options or even just, like, here are, the, here are the five most popular theories about why come up with your own or pick one of these and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I do, I, 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 oh, sorry, go ahead. I will say, I just, I think not having a concrete one is really good because if we like, I, I think narrowing down a few like major ones that are different from each other. Like we had a few things of like magic doing it. So stewards doing it. I think we should nail that down to like maybe one or two, yeah. but um. Like, I, I think it's really great because you can change it based on what story you're trying to tell. Like, if you are trying to tell a story where druids are are the bad guy, are evil, and they did it. Or maybe you're trying to tell a story where druids are misunderstood and, like, um, are actually good and people people are being prejudiced against them for something they didn't actually do. Um, and it can be something else. And there's, like, lots of ways that, like, depending on what story the GM is trying to tell... A, having a different sort of reason for this apocalypse is maybe better. Yeah. Uh, speaking speaking of additional reasons, I also wanted to throw uh, one suggestion for why this happened in the ring as well, which was uh, due to some natural phenomena, the material plane and the elemental plane of plants collided. Mm -hmm. And this is the aftermath. I know um, I'm looking at the notes from our first session and we had a couple of different like like things thrown out there. One of them was um, an invasion from the Feywilds. Um, the one that I was going to pitch. Yeah, yeah, like which, which I, kind I of, I imagine that. like that would be, that would kind of work between like the Feywild and our world and in this world, let's just say, or like an elemental plane of plants in this world. Yeah. Um, the well, other I mean, one that I liked was the, the Feywild one. Also works really great because we have the uh, uh, the giant centaurs too, which is yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, like there there are giant fey in this world. Um, the other one um, was uh, like an intelligent fungal, like hive mind being um, tried to like take over, but something went very wrong. Um, there's also uh, the the bramble. The bramble forest that's kind of down in the um in like the 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 southeast portion of the world is like that's supposed to be the epicenter i think we had talked a little bit about um I think so. 
and uh the idea was that like maybe someone would try to take over the whole world with these brambles but like something went wrong and it just didn't it, it just grew everything out of control not just the bramble um so there's a lot of different options i think we have um and we don't have to necessarily nail it down like right now um but i i love all of these ideas i think they're all um getting back to uh to to the gods at least um anyone else want to take a stab at something or i could go it's up to you Arthur. i'll go um yeah because i'm yeah uh let me pull up the lore and history thing because i did write down basically all of the ideas i currently have uh, in the lore and history um so i kind of had like one and a half god ideas um one is a paro um she's kind of the godless of secrets knowledge and truth mm. um and i really like the idea of like her being like very highly respected as uh, a goddess and like very well known like years and years ago um as a kind of like secret seeker of truth and um i specifically put like uh people would pray to her uh, to get out secrets that were in the community because secrets in a community foster distrust. Um, and so she was kind of a goddess of both like finding like lost knowledge, but also like revealing secrets that are, that are must be known kind of thing. Um, but um, she revealed the secret of the gods, which I will get to, um, and the gods kind of punished her for that. And uh, over time, she has become sort of le lesser known and lesser Nas worshipped as much and kind of known as like, uh, a, um, a, a, like a goddess of gossip and like idle chatter <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and I kind of did base that off of like, uh, I, I like went into a deep dive on TikTok and found it like, yeah, like gossip used to be like the way women oh, in yeah. society would like, talk to each other and like oh yeah this person is terrible don't go near them and like keep each other safe yeah. and then slowly over time the patriarchy was like oh no women are just like gossipy and they love spreading like rumors and terrible things and it's like no actually this was a great system mm -hmm. that you've yeah. just made them feel bad about using and i was like <laughs> what if that was represented as a god i think would be really interesting i i love that that is yeah. i think that's really awesome um and, and the secret... that same article by the way that's it's a really fascinating like like dive into the history of it sorry go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna say um uh, i i agree thank you for also agreeing with me um the secret uh that she revealed to the mortals which i don't think everyone believes but i think most people know about it is that the gods after kind of being angry at the mortals for definitely creating this apocalypse they definitely did it we all know it um <laughs> they made a vote to eradicate all of mortals and the who sided with who was not known um so you don't know if your god was like yeah let's kill all these mortals or not but it and everyone is like oh no my 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 god definitely wouldn't have voted yes but it was a tie so you know half of them said yes mm -hmm. uh, which is very terrifying for mortals and which i think is why part of them part of the reason they don't want to believe it is because what if my god did that that's very scary for them oh i um, love that and so um to break the tie one of the gods whose name has been lost to time decided to live among the mortals and kind of spend time understanding what they're like as a mortal 
and um, judging them through them. And their their name has been lost to time, so they are only known as the adjudicator. Um, and like parents tell their kids, like, oh, make sure to be nice, like give that homeless person some money, make sure to thank your teacher, um, because they could be the adjudicator and they could, you know, uh, kill us all if, if we're mean to them, kind of thing. Yeah, but not, like, not our God, everybody else's gods. Yeah. Definitely yeah. Against yeah. But the, the, the basic idea is like, uh, it's another thing where it's like some people are like, oh, yeah, the adjudicator is just a myth that your parents tell you when you're young. Some people are like, no, the adjudicator is real and you have to be nice to anyone because anyone could be the adjudicator. Uh, <laughs> like, don't know what they look like, don't know what, 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 what gender they've formed into, but like they. Are, they, they could be any, uh, they could be a dwarf, they could be a human, they could be a kobold, but they're someone, and if if enough people are mean to them, or they show prove to them that the human mortals are unworthy, they will come back and say, yeah, mortals are unworthy, you can kill them, and then they will. So. Oh, I I yeah, really I like love that. that. That's such a great legend to like, like, the, like a boogeyman legend. That's great. Well, it also has a lot of like, um, touchstones in a lot of like different cultures like i'm thinking immediately like Tem, the wanderer of like norse mythology yeah. or, like literally just the gods occasionally like come down and walk among us of greek mm -hmm. mythology like yeah to just to, to see what's to to judge people based on yeah. how they treat them yeah or even even um and I, i'm not going to roll for this ali but even like baba yaga and like mm -hmm. things like that like where she'll just like occasionally just be like hey like you're being a jerk. Time for you to learn a lesson. Like that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I like that. I'd like to tie this particular entity, the the adjudicator, into bardic culture. Where, um, you know, how they are out there and they observe, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say the human condition because there's more than, than humans here, but I'm, like, you know what I'm saying. The humanoid condition. Yeah, the humanoid condition. They observe the humanoid condition and they sing about it in all of its tragedy and its beauty. And, uh, like, I think they would probably have a special connection to this particular thing. Like, they're... They're like, yeah, I, I'd like to follow this example, travel the world, and sing about life as it is, and, you know, tell people about it. Well, even being, like, a a mythical creature in an era of, like, live myths that, like, not everyone believes in, I can definitely see, like, the adjudicator being a, like, uh, a patron, or, or, or a, yeah, the patron god of bards, like, not even mm -hmm. by, like, you know, I like I am the patron god of bards, but more like bards are like, oh no, like we too shall look upon like uh, humanoid culture and like judge its worth in song and art. And so like yeah. they kind of get attracted to him or her, whether they like it or not. Which I kind of oh, I I love this idea. I also love the idea that like bards are either like yes, the adjudicator is definitely real and definitely a bard, or like no, no. <laughs> Where all the adjudicator, like all of, of yeah. Bardom, is like, yeah. like, dude, I don't think that's how that works. Like, no, 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 man. I want there to be somewhere, just like a bard college, like in the middle of a tree, and just goes, no, no, you don't understand. The adjudicator was not one person, it is all bard. Yeah, like it is the bard collective. I'm right? sure that that's a that's a line they feed people in taverns all the time. Like, you know, I could be oh, the yeah. adjudicator, you want to get it on, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, and like, like oh, free drinks, man. right? Because I'm the adjudicator. <laughs> well, just just imagine for a minute, like being like a king of a small area, and then like a bard comes in, and he's just being like an absolute jerk, and you're like, if I kill this bard, am I killing the adjudicator? Yeah. Or, like, is that just a story <laughs> right. they made up? 
so I doom I all life on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that that's a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, you can do a lot with that. That's like that's I also just personally, I also just personally love the name, the like naming a person the adjudicator. Yes. Yeah. It's a fun word to say. Yeah, it is a fun word. <laughs> um, I, I will say I, I do have a special place in my heart for naming a character after a title. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you, Alex, for that. Yes. But, uh, um, okay, yeah. so I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna do a quick room reset, um, just because, uh, you know, just so we can make sure we're still. We, I mean, we're still on track, but I just want to do that. Um, so uh, we are doing world building live um, right now. We're talking about gods and some of the culture stories, things around them, um, and uh, yeah, we're we're keeping going. Um, uh, I can go next. Does anyone else want to go before me? Or uh, I, oh, I, I just could, but I mean, it's up to you. I just want to say two quick things about Apero. Um, her like color is usually like a kind of dark blue i'll like i'll find the color and post it in the chat mm -hmm. and her animal is a fennec fox because they have very large ears yes i love fennecs <laughs> all right so i'll i'll go next um okay. so i uh, i have a trio of death gods and then um a couple of like uh one of them is like a culture hero and the other one is like a an entity in on earth that is uh or on this planet i should say that is like kind of mythical in itself um, but i'll start with the death gods because i happen to love death gods um like i think everyone does i don't think that there's ever anyone who's not i don't like know what you're talking about before. their edgelord yeah um so the first one i have um is uh their name is is new dawn um they are the god of uh luminal spaces and uh peaceful deaths and maybe also dreams uh so also sleep in there somewhere they're very monotone um they're kind of uh visual and um i don't know like i guess cultural association is with moths so um they they have like large eyes they have um moth wings uh those like fuzzy little antenna um and they're mostly pictured in um like monotone so like a lot of like shades of gray um kind of a charcoaly black um maybe a, a a white that's not totally white but a little bit of gray um uh they're at least in my mind they're mostly worshipped by uh elves um because in my mind at least or what when we kind of talked about races and species um the elves are very associated with like the uh the funerary process so um, a lot of elves kind of worship uh, Nudan as like the patron of funerals and, and remembering the dead and sleeping peacefully um, and not coming back. Um, especially dark elves uh, kind of focus on this, uh, this god because dark elves uh, train giant death's head moths to uh, carry them around uh, under the, the, uh, the canopy. Um, and uh, they are... So Nudan is is related to um, this fire god who's also a death god um, because they are drawn to the light of this thing. So uh, my thought is that they they're they're you know mythical lovers but uh, can never like be together because they're too in antithetical to each other uh, and they hurt each other when they get close. Um, so uh, the fire god is Fudon, um, and in 
my thought was that he was once uh like a nature god um who died in by fire like died in the flame and is now the god of like uh fire and um like violent uh death and uh also necromancy uh we had talked i think it was last uh last session maybe the session before about the idea that like um fire and necromancy kind of go hand in hand because um the the fields of fire is full of dead trees that are constantly on fire and like constantly being renewed and and dying over again um and a lot of necromancers kind of like one of the things you can do is like raise the dead by like setting them on fire and um kind of like uh that that well liminal space between like is fire alive or is it not because it moves like it's alive but it's it's not actually alive um so kind of that that idea of tying that to the the idea of the undead um my thought is that they are uh they are kind of worshipped by the general population but it's mostly in a sense of like please don't bring your fire to my my town you know like please keep the fire where it needs to be and not here um but uh necromancers particularly non-elf necromancers um worship fadon as like kind of the uh the the like their their patron god um and then the the final one that i had the final death god um has to do with our lovely salt desert that we have uh kind of in like the the mid south um uh which is uh kion i i named him um it's spelled with a q because i like weird names like that and um they're a god of like desiccation and thirst um their whole deal is they're a god of like salt and um uh kind of that like 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 death by thirst death by the elements um kind of that that idea of being worn down until you're pretty much nothing um uh his worshipers uh mummify their dead in salt so they basically pack them into like caskets of salt to draw all the moisture out of them um and that's kind of how they do it and the idea is also that uh kion is kind of antithetical to plants because like salting the fields means that the plants won't grow there so uh they're kind of like the almost like a barrier between like this crazy overgrowth of plants and like people who need to be kept safe from them. um the pretty much the two places that don't grow anything are that salt desert and like the tundra so um i i thought it would be interesting to have like a god who's specifically like a god of salt um i imagine their worshipers are like really thin uh and like kind of spindly like they look like they've had all the moisture sucked out of them um so yeah so those are my those are my three death gods um the uh kind of the big mythical creature is so we have this this tortoise that kind of walks around uh particularly through like that mushroom forest but then kind of around that whole little inland sea um so i thought it might be cool to have like uh that like tortoise turtle um be kind of worshipped as a god um kind of as a god of like uh like life and um traveling uh the problem is that no one really knows whether or not this tortoise is like a god or not he's just kind of a big giant tortoise that walks around um but one of the things that happens is that every place that the tortoise walks 
it drops like spores to mushrooms and it drops seeds from trees so like it's kind of making this like path through uh these forests and kind of like almost homogenizing them and like bringing the different parts of each biome into each other so he's kind of worshipped as like a creature that um you know like brings life brings new life to places and also takes away things to like share with everyone else um i imagine the tort the tortles are the ones who worship this god i mean it's basically just an enormous version of of them um and we had also kind of talked about like people uh like building their homes on its on its giant shell um uh hitching rides like across areas um and uh yeah i i that's that's kind of what i had there the other one i had is a halfling culture hero um because i always put this guy in all of my oh yes. everything that i touch uh great uncle moto who's like uh a semi divine um like halfling thief um he's well much like we we talked about halflings a couple sessions before um halflings are very much about family but they basically consider anyone who is on their particular airship that they fly to be family um so anyone um anyone who like joins their their uh their balloon to like travel around is considered part of their part their family and so great uncle moto like just shows up and like joins in and he teaches a bunch of young halflings how to thieve um uh but he's also kind of like considered the world's greatest thief and there's all of these stories about him like stealing all of these crazy things um would you like uh, to tell them about his favorite artifact yes his favorite well well there's two things one uh one of the stories that's told about him is that he stole his name from the book of death so uh so he can never die because his name is no longer listed as like mortal um the other thing is that he's very good at stealing pies so uh he has a a legendary pair of pie stealing gloves that he gives out to uh promising young halfling thieves who are looking to uh kind of make their way in the world um they are potholders but you know they're yeah they're it's for they're, stealing hot yeah. pies right off of the shelf yes um they give fire resistance exactly yes so uh so those are that's what i have i'm sorry that i just talked for like 10 minutes nonstop. <laughs> uh well no uh so continuing my kind of standard suite of questions uh what are your your god's favorite weapons you know i didn't really think too much about that um just because like that that just wasn't something that like i was really thinking about i was thinking about colors but not necessarily like um weapons um i mean i imagine that like Fadon the fire god would probably just be like fire you know like his his deal is that like you set things on fire you like you know you snap your fingers and things catch on fire yeah um, so i think that's his favorite weapon is like literal fire okay yeah i want to talk about that one um uh it's like a state of perpetual burning you know like it's a uh, it's 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 super action oriented i kind of like the idea of him being the god of genius as well like uh Ooh, and yeah. passion and um like a sort of suffering aspect as well. Like the, the elves worship him. Like we're, we're doomed to be here in this world and watch our mortal friends die all the time. You know, like they're mm-hmm. like, he's, he's long suffering, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and your God of salt is like at once, like it is a, a barrier to the wild, right? Like it's the only place trees can't grow. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's also completely necessary for everyday life for most humanoid 
beings. So, uh -huh. <laughs> like, um, I like the idea of it also, like, their priests and followers are welcomed into places, and they, mm -hmm. um, it's like they, they give people a, a blessing of, um, let's see, I, I want to say preservation, but that's the 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 worst adjective for living things. It's more like <laughs> lo longevity and uh, plenty and hard times, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I like I like the idea of gods being kind of like having um, kind of the two sides of the same coin, like a yeah. god of death also bringing life because, like, so, you're right, salt is necessary to live. They need a place um, in the world uh, other than sharing like souls to transport to the afterlife, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, and I like the idea of like their priests being welcomed in places because they like protect things, like that whole idea of them being like a barrier against the like the overgrown plants. Kind of also works in like a um, like a magical sense because like so so many magical like things require like circles of salt, and that's like a protective thing um, around you to like kind of ensure that nothing bad can get to you. Um, when you use the phrase uh, salt of the earth, a whole new meaning. Yeah, exactly, yeah. When you were talking about the fire god, I, I started to think um, something about some quest like Night of the Living Dead slash Pyromania burn the town down. <laughs> yeah, like, there, I, I, I just, I like the idea of a fire god also being like a death god. Um, and like, like I just, I also kind of like the idea of like burning zombies coming for you. You know, like that's how you raise the dead by setting them on fire, and then they the the fire fills them, and they just get up and start, you know, doing doing stuff. I mean, there's there is room for pretty much any kind of god here, like. You know, there, there's, there's room for more than one. Oh, stop yelling, baby! <laughs> the pantheons are never clear cut. Like the Greek gods yeah. shared all sorts of I domains all the time, especially with demigods and minor ones. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's also, it's also really fascinating looking at like the history of like uh, polytheism on like Earth, where like polytheists, when they came across like a god from another pantheon, were like. Uh, yeah, he sounds cool. We can we can just like wrap him in with us. He's probably like related to this guy then, and like kind of move on. It's it's yeah. Pantheon divisions are very fuzzy at times. Uh, so I guess that leaves me, right? Yes. Unless does anybody else have a question for, for how these guys? No questions for me. Okay. Um. I'm I'm debating what order uh to to do this in um, because like I have I have one that I I really really like but I'm debating saving them for last. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with um <clears throat> I guess I'll go in reverse order for how I have them listed. Uh, <laughs> I have I have four gods as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, the the first one is uh Horst. Uh, Horst is a uh, a god that has um, blue skin, uh, long white beard. Kind of looks like a like a frost giant, but is described as being um, kind of uh, still kind of in the the like uh, humanoid sized range of of height. Um, very clearly, um, he is he is otherworldly in his. Um, 
uh, description, but as he kind of travels south, or at least as he is described as traveling south, you can see this, like, fog of uh, cold just rolling off of him, almost like a like a cloak of, of um, cold. And the main reason why is because um, he is the, the neutral good uh, god of cold, snow, arctic, uh, and healing. Um, he uh, is is very much opposed to uh, the the gods of of plants and not necessarily life, but this like uh, choking, um, like how how the trees and whatnot are 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 kind of choking out um, creatures that he seems to to enjoy. Um, his favorite animal is the polar bear, and his favorite weapon is the longsword. Um, he is he is also a god of healing, especially because like the we have a couple of gods here that deal directly with fire and the kind of um, uh, like hazards therein. So uh, kind of being against that uh, kind of puts him into like healing burns and, and things of that nature. Um, I have a feeling he wasn't always a god that was worshipped as like being a good guy. Like probably before the cataclysm, he was he was probably one of the like uh more misunderstood or uh probably like gods of like evil creatures, but uh now that everything has kind of changed, uh he's had to kind of look at the world and be like, No, I liked it better the way it was. I, I think I kinda understand why people were like, Hey, stop killing us due to exposure. So, um, yeah, uh, that's that's my first guy. Uh, if there are any questions on him, uh, I like the idea that he finds this whole situation in the world is inoffensive, and that it's made him bitter and a little bit more active than he might have been before. Yeah, you know, like um, maybe he's constantly trying to encroach into the more forested parts of the world, and people don't know what to feel about that because it also means. Everything's dead wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. You know, every everything is fr- uh, frozen tundra wherever he goes. So yeah. it's it's either uh, like, yay, the trees are gone, and oh, we're all dead. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just want to add a quick thing about him. Um, the meeting place in the cold uh, is his house. Oh, where like all that. the gods meet, um, <laughs> and he he hates that. He hates. Did not, I, did not, uh, uh, okay, everyone just kind of came because it's the only safe place. I have, I have they a would feeling, leave. yeah, I have a feeling, like, before this whole thing started, he was, like, a hermit god. Like, nobody went up to the north because, like, you might incur his wrath. And now he's like, I hate this so much, you're all invited for tea, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm envisioning <laughs> like, Fortress of Solitude, like Christopher Reeve sort of thing. Yeah, I, I was thinking more, like, um like like solitude or or like windhelm or something like that like like that like longhouse covered in frost but i do like the like fortress of solitude ice igloo too kind of looks kind of cool i like yeah. that i like it almost that like the the gods are like oh let's just meet at dave's place and he's like <laughs> no like let's meet literally anywhere else <laughs> yeah, uh, patron god of introverts as well yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the ocean's right there we could have gone there yeah <laughs> Can't can't we go into like Hod's domain? We could go into like the bottom of the ocean. Oh, God damn. Okay, let's Plants do it. Plants live in the ocean, man. Plants live in the ocean. What can I say? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I kind of like that. Um, I love that. 
so uh, next one up I have is uh, a goddess. Uh, her name is Framdra. She is the true neutral um, goddess. She is... Um, <sighs> crap, I forget the name of the creature now. Um, what's Lolf again? Is is that an arachne? Uh, Dryder? Dryder, uh, yeah. that's the word. Yeah. Thank She's you. Kind of kind of a drider she's, she's yeah. a bunch of different uh so so fremdra is um she appears as a drider uh to most people although um in the much more like colorful rather than like black widow or anything like that kind of the like uh the like huntsman or or uh, not the huntsman but like the the like weaver spiders that are like those like brilliant golds and reds um and like has the the upper half of a of a woman um she uh her favorite animal unsurprisingly is the spider her favorite weapon is uh the whip but she is actually the goddess of uh magic and study and uh understanding through intensive research and study Ooh. um she is a spider because uh, everything that uh, magic does is interwoven throughout uh, the world. And by tugging lightly upon a strand uh, using magic, you can affect something elsewhere. Uh, the idea of, uh, you know, mages who worship her literally weaving spells uh, is, I feel, in some cases, almost directly literal. Um and uh yeah that's that's her i have a feeling that she kind of is originally from um let me pull up that map again um that's not the right one there it is uh i have a feeling that she she kind of comes from the the southern tropical rainforest uh area originally and like legend of her has kind of spread um and yeah uh any questions on on framdra that i can help uh I guess expand. So, like, what? So, what kind of magic is your favorite kind of? Magic? Ooh, that is a that is a great question. I have a feeling her favorite magic is actually divination. I was just gonna say that. I was like, divination sounds like something yeah. that like. Um, I was wondering if there was some uh, some kind of portable weaving tool, and what would you weave things out of, and what mages take. Them. So seems, uh, that's a really interesting idea to have them like as a region for the spell have wove like something with knots in a certain way to look like something or i i have a feeling that uh and and ali is is going to seriously enjoy this uh i have a feeling that her portable weaving tools are actually uh knitting needles yes uh partially... knitting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, partially because you know like um a it's something that you can definitely like travel and, and do um but also like the idea of working a single strand of something into something far greater in the kind of same way that like spiders do is um it is probably like very much like a, a moving meditation i could see um that being said like large looms or, or even just like small mini looms um to make like little like like uh I don't know, like one foot by one foot patches of like cloth uh, mm -hmm. to do nothing more than like, oh, that would actually be really cool. Is that rather than like scrolls, they have to like weave it into like a little loom. Ooh. Yeah, you know, like, that would be amazing. 
I like the idea of uh, magic doilies they can unravel to to cast the spell. Yeah, yeah, they recover like. Oh no! It it actually gets consumed as they like unravel it to like all the like the the thread like goes out and just begins to like dissipate into the 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 web of magic. I yeah, like that. pull string for fireball, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like that. In, I mean, in case it also brings like, unravel here. That also um, means that like you know making magic items is probably like if you're making like a magical cloak, you probably have to weave that cloak. Yeah. Like, in a very specific way to get very specific things and like yeah i imagine like embroidering like threads onto uh onto certain things and like like pulling the threads out to like cast spells off of your your like arms like your spell book is now just like your the yeah the dress that you're wearing and you're just like pulling things off as is also a a favored uh thing of mine this also means that you could have like wizards and uh sorcerers and whatnot uh or really really wizards let's be completely honest here means that they could be color-coded for like the schools of magic that they cast or also this means that like as you mentioned like their their robes could be their spell books means that like uh you know as like a technicolor like uh uh cloaked guy walks in you can go oh yeah that's the universalist absolutely yeah Um, Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of feel like her, her favorite magic is probably divination, mostly because she's she's all about like uh, study and understanding and, and kind of that. But uh, obviously she has a strong influence in at least her followers in, in all sorts of, of arcane and divine magic. Um, I imagine that she has also strong ties to like illusion and abjuration, but a lot less into uh, like uh, evocation to be completely honest because like spiders are not well known for their like great destructive paths uh but yeah i love that okay i like that this perpetuates the uh common hell belief that uh gays who knit are the greatest wizards (laughs) (laughs) yes prismatic wizards i love it uh i mean first off absolutely um (laughs) <laughs> I, I could also see her being like a goddess that like walks areas like in between certain things because you know oh. spiders spiders fill in areas between like trees for example yeah, or like yeah. even like branches like she's definitely I, I have a feeling like I'm not going to say that you know she is the like queer friendly goddess but if anyone it's probably her and the last one I have here so uh, uh, so yeah I don't know if I missed it before, but did you say that she's like a goddess of like fate? Uh, not actually fate, just okay. just kind of like magic. As as much okay. as I love the idea of like weaving fate, uh, I I really I feel that's been overdone. Like that's that's I've, a little on the nose. Been... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was just, I I was checking to see that that wasn't because I was going to suggest like, hey, we could probably have another god of prophecy. Yeah, um, absolutely. It doesn't have, like this. It doesn't have to always be the spider god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh ooh, i might i might come up with something for that later but uh so then then the next one i have is uh rachnik uh rachnik is uh chaotic evil their favorite animal is the termite their mm-hmm. favorite weapon is the punching dagger uh because i feel that that weapon is utterly underused in so many cases um they are the chaotic evil goddess or, or sorry uh, god of uh unrestrained growth plants and monsters um they are depicted uh in in my head at least as um 
a, uh, a kind of like a like a dryad, um, and uh, kind of with the the like uh, red berries and and fruits that grow upon it that look very tempting and tasty, but are actually that like those poisonous plants that that kind of trick you into to eating them. Um, they are a, uh, a a very angry uh, but very powerful uh, god now in the world that plants uh, seem to be uh, taking over. Uh, they definitely are of the opinion like uh, the the fleshy meat races have had their chance, and now it is the time for plants. Uh, that's that's them, at least in a in a nutshell. I'm interested that their favorite animal is the termite. Uh yeah, I I actually was was debating whether or not I wanted to do like the termite or the ant. Um but I feel like uh the termite is is kind of more interesting in that, especially because like um A, like they they release like toxins and poisons themselves. I believe they release arsenic, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be wrong. Um they they release some sort of like like poisonous thing i remember that but um uh but yeah i, I like the idea of like um them also kind of being not necessarily of like decay but like since plants also like reclaim stuff you know and like Ooh. they're not necessarily like the god of like fungus but like you know like plants like choking vines that like kill trees are just as much under their domain as like the tree that it's choking that kind of stuff so yeah well the idea of like like when you said termites, I was like, "Ooh, like a termite! Like termites in this world must yeah. be like devastating because you know they they eat wood, they destroy wood. So like, and wood, I imagine, is one of the biggest like building materials that they have because there's so much of it. So like, the idea well, of like a like a termite, like a termite colony. Um, I I also kind of like the idea of like since you know everybody's like built in the canopy. Imagine like a giant termite swarm." like coming yeah. through just being like oh man like we have to kill this or else the town is going to hit literal rock bottom yeah yeah um, like that, which, which could be kind of cool like when you said like dryad i almost pictured like a dryad that had like termites like crawling all through them yeah like, yeah like, do you in, like, something like, like, like really squeaky. you know yeah. yeah oh yeah like super <laughs> super weird and bad but you know i'm confused what's evil about this god yeah like uh, uh, that sounds, in, in... sounds like a chill chill dude <laughs> like a great guy. Well, along with what Arthur's saying, <laughs> like, do you picture that she was uh, always like this, or did the cataclysm make her like this, where she's super uh, vengeful and like plant supremacist? You know, um, that's a that's a good question. I'm not sure if anyone like knows for real. Although I have a feeling that they were a minor god that was kind of snubbed before the cataclysm and like now that it's here uh she she's absolutely like death to the meat people um you know for, <laughs> for, for snubbing me for all those millennia mm. uh that kind of stuff i know i know it sounds a little petty but like I, I wonder so i wonder if it's that everyone thinks that's what she is and they assign blame to her for like all of the Ooh. bad stuff that happens but she's not actually that bad like I kind of like that. She's actually. just kind of like she's she's fundamentally misunderstood because of the nature of the world, um, and like no matter what she does, like it can't she can't make people 
like you know uh, understand what she is and because so many people believe in her being like that like she she's kind of forced to be a little bit like that okay so actually uh if if we want to do something like that you could absolutely do something uh and again kind of drawing on the inspiration from pathfinder here of doing something like nethys where they're like a split deity who like suffers from madness but in this case it would be they suffer from madness because of how they are in their like true nature versus mm. how the belief of people is projected upon them that could be that could be very interesting yeah i really like that yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, that was my original intent with them. Um, absolutely not something I just made up right now. <laughs> um. <laughs> I actually, I ran a campaign that focused gods very heavily, um, and it was kind of the idea that like gods gain their power from mortals' belief, but they also kind of focus on who they were, and it basically made it how like the big bad was the a son of Zeus who, like Zeus, was destined to kill his father. Um, so then they had to find this, the the son of Zeus's son to kill him because, like, he, even though uh, he, was, yeah. he was a, he was a demigod, he still he still gained power from belief and therefore was kind of like like the great thing about mortals is that they are not subscribed to fate like the gods are because what people's perception of them becomes who they are. I uh, I like that. I, so. Uh... I'm not going to lie. One of my, um, w one of the themes that often comes through my, uh, my games is often like belief shapes the God and God shapes the belief. Um, so like, Oh, I, I tend to do a lot of stuff like that too, where like, if you can get enough people to believe in like this, this one thing about them, like it, it becomes true. In fact, uh, as, as Ali can tell you, I ran a scion game where, uh, they were new gods that were like being ascribed stuff because people were like, Hey, like, you know, like I'm, I'm praying that like my power doesn't go out and I'm praying to like the power grid, for example. And so like the power grid became like a God, um, which was, which was kind of, it was a lot of fun for me, but um, <laughs> uh, speaking of actually, there is one last God I have. Um, mm -hmm. Not much is known. Uh, about how this god appears or looks. They don't even know if they are uh, male or female. Um, and in fact, uh, nobody even knows really the name of them. They're simply called uh, the unnamed or the silent. Um, they are the chaotic neutral god or goddess of innovation, inspiration, creation, and water. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the reason why water is because uh, water can be both... Uh, fruitful in the sense of like rain and water can also be absolutely destructive as in uh tidal waves and flash floods um hence innovation that they are uh giving can be both a boon and bane to the society and people that discover it um, hence their chaotic neutral ways their favorite animal is uh the macaw as the macaw is, uh, at least to their believers, uh, something that is always looking, always listening, and will uh, sometimes whisper things to you when you're not paying attention to uh, give you this this inspiration, uh, kind of like uh, like physical manifestations of muses. Uh, and uh, their favorite weapon, uh, they have two, partially because I could not choose between the two of them, um, mm -hmm. of either the crossbow or alchemist fire, because 
nobody ever picks alchemist fire for a favored weapon and i feel like that's a shame <laughs> um but yeah um or acid flasks to be completely honest um interesting that like alchemist fire would be one of her favorite weapons when she's a goddess of water and water doesn't affect alchemist fire uh yes but the the reason why for for me and why i, I chose that is because it is a it is a creation that needs understanding and like like actual innovation to get to so like Ooh. their it, their favorite weapons really involve like um high levels of technical proficiency yeah uh, like, i'm not saying it's like a bad thing it's just very interesting to oh no i'm, to I'm just giving you the way. i'm just giving you the the like the thought process behind it yeah um they are also i should note a a uh a new god uh they did not exist before the cataclysm and uh, due to that, they uh, they are also the uh, patron goddess or god of the capybara rat folk, as mentioned in the last session. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that is that is that. Uh, they're also the god of um, alchemy and, and things like of that nature as well, uh, which I realized I forgot to mention. So, does anybody have any uh, questions for the silent? I mean, you answered all my questions. Well, I mean. So, her domain is it like the sea, or is it? Uh, I was thinking more like um, like freshwater rather than like like ocean um, in in that way. Like so, like rain and um, and and like flash floods in, in that respect, uh, rather than like actual. I, I was using tidal waves as just a description of something for like. You know, a, a great destructive thing of water, really. But I get you. I, okay. I, I kind like of was imagining more like almost. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was kind of imagining that she's she's probably more into like fresh water rather than salt water. Although, um, I would love to hear what a god or goddess of the sea would be in this world. If anybody like wants to like write in or like uh, come up with that real fast, but I feel like they would be pictured like being choked by seaweed, like. They're just like tied up and covered in seaweed because like there's nothing you can really do about it because the ocean is almost like it's almost entirely like a sargasso sea kind of thing. Yeah, this is yeah. a uh, very would... untapped uh, domain for us. We haven't gone over it at all. Yeah, really. Yeah. Like we really haven't because it's. I mean, there's so many trees. <laughs> but... so yeah, the many giant trees. trees are right there. Why can't we talk about them? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. I mean, we do have, we do have that little floating continent. I imagine that might be a, a place that she uh, she kind of protects while it's sailing the ocean. Um, I don't know. There's a there's a lot. I mean, we obviously still have a lot of holes in here, but I kind of like the idea the ideas that we came up with here. Um, I think we've got a lot of um, a lot of good ideas and a lot of like just fantastic uh, flavor to add to a lot of this stuff. Um, so uh, we're going to wrap up because it's about 6.30 and I don't want to keep anyone else from their their friends and their family and probably their dinner um, but uh, anyone who contributed today um, obviously uh, thank you for, for helping out um, if you guys want to write up um, your uh, the ideas that we talked about here or even just some other ideas that just kind of come to you uh, within the next two weeks, um, feel free to post them uh, in this world building category. Um, they we do have like special ones for like races and lore and history. You can kind of post them wherever, and we'll just I want to gather up everything, and I uh, I'd love to be able to use like your own words to describe the things that you uh, 
you've come up with. Um, so, uh, so post that there, um, just so we have a nice record of all the stuff that we talked about. Um, uh, next week is our, uh, our fifth session, which is our final session. Um, any so is, it actually, ideas? is it actually next week or is it two weeks? It's uh, two weeks. Sorry. It's two okay. weeks. Um, I should say next time is our, is ah, our yeah. fifth session. Um, so, uh, does anyone, um, have any, uh, ideas for like what we want to do for that session? Do you just want to do like a, like a wrap up? Um, and kind of uh, just go over everything with a fine tooth comb and, and kind of solidify it? Or um, do we want to think about anything in particular? Anyone got a favorite thing that we haven't talked about yet? I, ca I kind of think we should all bring one quest that we envision going on in this world. Just Ooh. general Ooh, like, like framework for it. And then mm. it'll, it'll tell us a lot about how every GM views interaction in this world and what might be important to folks. Yes, that's yeah. perfect, John. I, I, I have to say a second idea after that, even though that's yes. a very good idea. Which is, um, I also think like politics and like, like, like systems of culture, not just like specifically culture, but like, like, does every group have kings and queens? Are they democracy? Mm. Like, what each groups how how they are governed, basically, or not governed. I think would be feel feels like a gap in this world right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's also an awesome idea. Uh, one thing, one thing I would like to also pitch, and not saying that we necessarily need to do this, but like, um, that one weird thing about the world that you kind of want to like zoom in on for a brief moment. And I know like there's a lot of weird things, but I mean like even even weird inside the weirdness of our <laughs> of our world. Mm -hmm. You know, like like the giant stone hand in the middle of the ocean, for example. Yeah. That no one knows about, or mm -hmm. or whatever it actually is. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, like, think we're gonna think about um, like culture and politics, uh, how these uh, different civilizations are kind of um, uh, governed, and and like you know maybe some some law maybe everyone brings like a, a big law and then like a interesting or fun law. That's kind of silly. Um, and then I love the idea about bringing uh, a quest for the world. Yeah. because I think that's really helpful, uh, especially to uh, other GMs to kind of be able to think about uh, the different kind of stories you can tell. And I love the idea of finding like one weird place in the world where something strange is. Um, so I think those are going to be kind of what we talk about. And then we'll kind of do a big wrap up and, and talk about, the world as a whole uh the other thing that i think we need and i don't think we should do it until next week but i think that we should come up with a name for this world because Ooh. that's kind of one thing that we haven't really talked about um but i think it's a good thing to kind of wrap up the whole uh the whole world with is to think of a name and that's a, that's a good point yeah yeah um arthur town <laughs> oh i was i was gonna come up with uh like tmas for the mastermind setting but oh, no. uh, yeah. <laughs> you're not pulling a dragon age Dang. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, okay so um thank you guys for uh for coming and pitching in and, and doing all that kind of stuff um uh so um anyone out there who's listening um we are mastermind adventures we do uh professional gming and a bunch of other stuff um, if you're interested in hiring any of us uh, or any of our other wonderful GMs, 
Um, we our website is masternadventures.com. You can go there and and take a look at all of our GMs and all of the things that they offer. Um, uh, our adventure specialist Kaylee is waiting with bated breath to uh, help you find the perfect GM for you. Um, the other uh, one minor like kind of uh, upkeep thing. Uh, um, I hope everyone had a fun time. Uh, I always do with this. Um, I am Allie, Masterminds Master of Lore. Uh, we've got John and Arthur, two of our GMs for Hire, and Tom, our resident werewolf. Um, and we thank you for listening. Yes, Have thank a wonderful you. night, everybody. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Good night, everyone.